Salutations, listeners. See Valis Valeo. Valamogulis. No, 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 no. Thank you for tuning in. This is Three Men in a Basement, and we are the Ultra Crabidarians. My name is Colin McLeod. Mark Alpier. Action Jackson. Ex Miss Jackson Flaxen Waxen. In this podcast, we review movies and we deliver to you, the listener, an average schmuck's opinion about hidden gems in the wide world of cinema. In this show, we try to target movies that are not absolute blockbuster smashes. Uh, we also try to target movies that are not so obscure that you couldn't get your hands on a copy even if you wanted to. Uh, but instead, we like to aim for that delightful sweet spot of movies that are right in the middle, right? Uh, ones that uh, maybe you've seen and forgotten about, uh, maybe you haven't seen and you're wondering if they're worth a watch. And uh, we suffer, slog through these movies, and toil, and undergo horrid tribulations. It's kind of like removing Velcro slowly. Yes. Or like pulling off a Band-Aid so it doesn't hurt. It always hurts. It does. To give you an opinion about whether or not you should see these movies. Uh, To give you an opinion about whether or not you should hire a band of minstrels to reenact them in a gayful theatrical performance. We went a little far afield there, uh, but but we're coming back and we... We love it. We do. Uh, So we review these movies, like we said, and we deliver to you an idea of whether or not you should see them. And this week, we reviewed the movie... Uh, How to perhaps lose friends and maybe even alienate a few people. Ooh. How to Lose Friends and Alienate People, which is obviously a rip off the very famous book, How to Make Friends and Influence People. Mark's just learning this now. Um, that was a joke, Mark. <laughs> oh, he got it. He got it. He got it. I was worried he wasn't going to get it, but no, he got this, it. This is a good one. I, I really enjoyed one. Uh, this is uh, Return to Form, Mark Pops is Cherry, but also Jackson gets to follow me along for the journey. Yeah. Mark and I popped our cherries together. It was, uh, it was very pleasant. It's cherry season. It's cherry season. Depends on where you're at. We're we're in Michigan. It's cherry season. Yeah, that's true. Uh, They'd be popping. So, How to Lose Friends and Alienate People, 2008 film, uh, rated R. Definitely. Yeah. I would say a soft R, but still squarely in the R. Oh, no, 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 no. I know know why Mark is. Oh! I know why Mark is. Oh! The R was not... Well, I mean, yes, okay, yes. There were things that were soft. The R was was, was, soft. There were things that were soft. The R... Was not one of them. Had okay. The, had the R not been soft, still rated R. Yeah, okay. Yes. Look, guys, we're yes. talking about a penis here. There yes. was a penis. Uh, penis. Do- dongers were hung in this movie. Not hung I- like a horse. More hung like a woodchuck. Hung I- like an average everyday person. I wouldn't say that. I. I am. I- what? What would you say? I would say a woodchuck. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna stay out of this conversation because I feel like. My my actual like legitimate opinion about this particular matter is going to like show my proverbial hand. Would that and by be, hand I mean penis. Would that be brain matter as in hanging brain? Ha- hanging brain. Yeah. Yes. What? Yeah. Like a head cleaner? Exactly like a head cleaner. Goodness. Man. Hi Dan. Ho <laughs> ho. Yes. Poor Dan. Dan the man. Poor Dan. Um I do want to take a quick Quick, really quick aside. I know we're we're kind of still in the intro here, but um, uh, we recently discovered that uh, Cedric the Entertained was quite entertained. Yes, and this episode's for you, buddy. Just for you, all for you, mostly for you. I can take a little bit. Some of it's for me, but it's mostly for you and Jackson. It's true. I can take a lot more than Mark can. That's I'll, what I'll take some too. 
what it's let's let's say equal parts each of us and Cedric, but also Dan. Yes. The entertained. Yes. Not Dan so, the entertained. So like twenty percent for each of us. And then also Max, because he helped us out last week. That's math. That's true. So Math Max. Yeah. He's an educated Max. Math Max Fury Road. Yes. And don't forget our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't know if he... With with whom we share a piece of this. Our daily bread. (laughs) So (laughs) that's like split split it seven ways. We'll go Dutch. I personally prefer... No, this is definitely all for Cedric. Yeah, yeah. This tangent brought to you by Cedric. I I just straight up cut Jesus out of this podcast. Dan the man and Cedric the entertained. This one's for you. All right. What? uh, let's, Let's keep going. Right. So one hour and 50 minutes. I would say that's accurate, and I wouldn't say it's a long 150. No, no, no. I didn't. It it's didn't good. feel like it was dragging its feet. I didn't. I didn't feel bored. So no. it was solid. And for a comedy, hour 50 is a bit long, but it it didn't feel. It didn't necessarily feel that way for me. Yeah, either. I would say I. I would you guys classify this as a rom-com? Okay, you know, it's funny. Okay, hang on. Real quick, I think we should go through the IMDb genre, and then we'll wrap yes, up our, yes, our thoughts on yes. it. So okay. it's got it as biography, comedy, drama, and romance. So biography, because it is actually based on a true story. Is it of a really? Real idiot. Yes. I did not know that. Yes. So it, it is actually based on a true story of a real idiot. That is the tagline for the movie when it was released in theaters. And it is, oh, it says that right here, based yeah. on the true story of a real idiot. Yeah. yeah, and so the story was released, then somebody got a hold of the story and turned it into a script, which was picked up and then turned into a movie like 12 years later or something like that. So it is based on a true story, and Simon Pegg... You just, Pig, just described the process of making a movie. It's is true. It, is it so- <laughs> um, so Simon Pegg like, signed on for it. Because he heard all about it, and he was like, I, I volunteer to play the idiot. I volunteer as tribute. Exactly. Uh, yeah, so, okay, biography, I guess that fits. I didn't know. Uh, comedy, yes. Absolutely. That's 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 the meat and potatoes of this, uh, this flick. Drama, maybe. <sighs> Romance. Okay, so this is what Jackson was getting at about rom-com, and I was thinking about that this time around when I was watching it. I've seen this movie probably four or five times, and I was thinking about it. It really is a little tiny bit of a rom-com. The one reason I think you're going to wonder whether it's a rom-com or not is it, in some overt and some subtle ways, it breaks from the rom-com formula. Yes. And we'll get into how it breaks from that formula in the spoilers, but suffice it to say for this part of the podcast, it does break and it'll make you question or not whether it's a rom-com, but I, I would classify it as that. Yeah. I would. See, and that's why I asked because... While it follows the formula of the rom-com, for the most part, it does break away in some very stark ways. So I'm kind of some like... Some Tony Stark ways. It's true. Iron Man. Um, it's true. Iron Man. <laughs> that's an ACDC that's reference. <laughs> Personally, I, I would throw this. I'm sure it was Black Sabbath. I, it was Black Sabbath, but I can't. I can't it doesn't get over, matter. I can't None get of this matters. The, it's true. Iron Man. <laughs> this is now he. He was hard. <clears throat> spoilers. Yes. Let's save the penis for spoilers. 
Let's spoil. I don't know if we can. Let's spoil the penis for saviors. Yes. Uh, I I personally don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> I would go full rom. We said we were gonna leave Jesus out of this. All right. I'm going full rom com on this, fellas. You know, just trying to circle back around. You know what I'm saying? Uh, rom com. That's what I'm. See, I'm I would agree it. with you. I would yeah. agree with you about. 60-40, it is rom-com. The only reason that I'm not wholeheartedly with you is because in some very specific ways it breaks from the rom-com formula, like Colin was alluding to. It it like, it like pivots towards the rom-com and you think, oh, this is a rom-com, and then suddenly it's gone. And so... W- would you call this a self-aware rom-com? Yes. Yes. All right. Absolutely. A swam-com. A Swamcom. Mm. A Black Swamcom. Ooh, Black Swamcom. Black Swamcom. New band name, I call it. Eh, fair enough. Uh, uh, okay, are, are we ready for the description? I think we've I think we belabored this long enough. Oh my gosh, we're already... We're, we're, we're cooking with, with gas, everybody. Okay, so we've got... Uh, a British writer struggles to fit in at a high-profile magazine in New York City. Um, I mean, yeah, that takes place, but that's that's not what the movie's about. a very basic description of the movie. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, though, if you wanted to give, like, literally nothing else to this movie to just give an idea of what kind of sort of happens, yeah, that's probably like, fine. Yeah, like, but that, that's trying to, like, sell a painting by saying it's... It's, it's a, of a it's, person. It's on this canvas. Right. It's, this is a picture of a person. It is not black and white, and it is on a canvas. I'll take it. That's that's what she said. That's not what she said, actually. that's That didn't really fit. I don't know. My, my brain immediately, when he's like, it's black and white, my brain immediately went to, like, the old, like, what's black and white and red all over jokes? Like, nuns in a blender? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> wow, you are, we're really, like, hammering the religious tones in this episode. <laughs> I'm feeling it. I mean, growing up a pastor's kid, it's it's in my blood. So who, uh, who directed this? So don't put you in the blender. No. No, I'm not a Nobody nun. puts Jackson in the blender. Directed by Robert B. <laughs> Wide. Wade? How do you pronounce that, I everybody? Think it's Wide. Wide? Okay, so I, I actually can't remember how it's pronounced, but this motherfucker has his hand in everything. Does he? Yeah, Curb Your Enthusiasm. He does, like, a lot of comedy stuff. If it doesn't come immediately to mind you know what actually i I, i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna retract that i think the reason i think it's in everything is uh because it was the first thing after like the cold opens on curb your enthusiasm it would it would say like directed by robert b Uh. wide whatever and then it's like rift in a whole bunch of other shows as like a joke for some fucked up hilarious thing that is going to go sideways a meme perhaps perhaps Mm. Mm -hmm. uh who do we got in this movie Oh, Simon Pegg. I love Simon Pegg. Oh, my God. Dude. And and this definitely had, like, spaced energy. I don't know if yeah. you've seen Spaced. Yes. I love that show. Yes. So Simon Pegg's career is kind of in three parts. Uh, the beginning of his career... The Nick uh, Frost era? <laughs> so the beginning of his career, which overlaps with the Nick Frost era, which is... I wouldn't call the Nick Frost era a section of his career. I would say that's a, a common feature. I would say the first part of his career was... Like, early, very, like, homebrew type stuff, like, spaced. You know, like, it it didn't have a huge budget, but it had a ton of love and creativity. And it was really, like, well done. Then he had a whole bunch of... and, And, again, these overlap, but he had sort of two parts where he was doing sort of like his stuff with Nick Frost. He was doing sort of this stuff on the side. Not not the side. This is not a side movie, but his stuff with Nick Frost, like the Coronado trilogy, right? Shaun of the Dead, 
Hot Fuzz and At the World's End. And then Paul, that kind of stuff. And then he was doing these kind of movies, which I feel like this movie does not in any way get the recognition that it deserves. This movie slipped under the radar, which is fucking ridiculous. Just crazy because it's criminal. Yeah, when you hear this cast list, you're gonna be like, "Holy shit! How have I not heard of that movie?" If you haven't heard, um, but he was also doing like Run, Fat Boy, Run, and a few others, like really like quality quality stuff. And then um, in more recent years, and he then was in Star Trek. That, that's the thing. It's like that's the third part of his career, right? Is like the big budget movies like Star Trek and Mission Impossible. Right, he started to like really do kind of these big blockbusters, which is awesome for him because it's like you can tell he's a true fanboy. And he liked the Mission Impossible movies probably growing up. He liked Star Trek gro- growing up, I'm certain. And he's, you know, getting to well, be a part of that world And now. the funny thing was, I discovered this in theaters, okay? So he was actually in The Force Awakens as one of the aliens yeah. mm-hmm. on Rey's planet. And he was in prosthetic makeup with a voice changer. Like, there was no possible way you could pick him out of a lineup in that movie, but I saw his name in the credits and I just about shit myself. I was like, no way, Simon Pegg was in this. Um, so to Colin's point, being a fanboy is 100% accurate because it's it's one of those, like, he was dying to be part of something and didn't care what role he got, which, I mean, we've all been there. We've all wanted to be a part of something and didn't care how, you know, loosely we ended up associated with it. Threw that in a basement. Exactly. You guys had to pay a pretty high price to like get in on this action, like you know. I mean, it's about uh, a sixteenth of a tank of gas. For you me. had you for each... me. It was a blood sacrifice. Yeah, I'm sorry. I thought Mark that I told you about the blood sacrifice, and then what when the I realized, when I, I realized he didn't do it. No, I I sort of panicked, and I just kind of let him in. Um, I appreciate your hard work, though. I, I appreciate lost you an doing arm. That. Yes, I understand that. But I, I, get, I, I, I am. I apologize. And I I know that you can't really drive anymore. I had to learn how to masturbate one handed. All right. You I know. know how hard that is. I know. I know. You got. You've only got the tweezer hand now, and the magnifying glass hand is is just you know. It's gone. It's gone, and I'm sorry. I had to get glasses. For the masturbation. Yes. No, to drink out of. Well, I mean that's also true for the alcohol. Uh, right. Circling back. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna kind of walk walk that road all the way back to the podcast. Um, so we got Simon Pegg. Who else we got? Kirsten Dunst. Uh, interview with a vampire. Spider Man. Um, Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Bring it on. Mm-hmm. Kirsten Dunst. Total baller. Um, Absolutely. She's awesome. She's like I feel like she's probably really nice in real life. I don't know. Why I get that vibe. I, I I get that vibe too. Like I feel like if I were to run into her or meet her at a panel, she would just be like the sweetest person. Somebody who I'm not saying I feel like is a mean person, but I feel like is a total bitch. No, I feel like she could be really really mean if she wanted to. It's also in this movie is Megan Fox. I, I feel like she's a total bitch. I probably Machine Gun Kelly. The guys. A- I, I don't. A guy. I, I, I mean, don't know who that is, but oh. he sounds like he would not be friendly. He's her husband. Yeah. Does Does he have machine guns? He wishes he had machine guns. M- mainly, he has just really just bad just tracks. Just Kelly. I, his His name is Kelly. Yeah. So it's probably more like a crocheting thing. Also, my cousin's name is Kelly. He's an HVAC operator. Hi, Kelly. Hey, Kelly. 
He doesn't listen to this podcast. Get the fuck out of here, Kelly. This is Cedric's episode. Yeah. yeah. He's entertained. One, one cousin at a time. Yeah. Slow your roll there, Kelly. Jeez. Dan, keep him in check. <laughs> thank, thank you, Dan. Sick him, Dan. God. Book him. Book him, Dano. Uh, who else? Damn it. Who else we got? Um, Jeff Bridges. What the fuck? The dude. Beth Bridges. The dude himself. And you know what I loved about this is that, like, he could not be further from the... Like, okay. So, you take the dude from The Big Lebowski and, like, you just corporatize him. And, and like, that was kind of the vibe that you got. That, like, he's the dude inside, but he's wearing this veneer of, like, corporate... That, that's actually... That's a really good way to describe it. it. Is. He's a corporate dude. But, like, every once in a while he smirks when, when you want him to. Like, it's he's still the dude. He's still the dude deep, deep down, but he's been layered in capitalism. Yeah, there's there's less abiding these days, um, as as one might not do. The dude abides, but only for so long. Yeah. Uh, there's other people. Okay, who was? And I don't have it right in front of me, but uh, Danny Houston was that? Was that? Uh, yes, Maddox. Yeah. Danny Maddox. Houston. I know his face. You know his face. You probably don't know his last name is Houston. Yeah, no, he's definitely one of those faces that you know, but names you don't. Was he in the X-Men franchise? Was, yeah. Was he Stryker in he one of the X-Men? He played young movies? Stryker in X-Men Wolverine. Is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah, He he's definitely, look him up if you haven't. He's a good actor, um, but good God, he's a shithead. He's the oh, guy, he plays, he plays a shithead so well. all the time. He's the guy at the party that, like, you don't talk to. <laughs> You see him, you know him, you actively avoid him. He's the one chatting up the pretty girls that you wish you were talking to, and then you find yourself alone in the corner. He's, And then later you find out that he knew that he had VD and is just, like, roaming the party, not caring that he's going to give it to anybody. Yeah! Because he is a socially irresponsible twat waffle. Use a fucking condom, Chad. Dude's not giving me VD. You say that now. I keep it clenched. You keep it clenched? I don't know what that means. I <laughs> Let's explore that. Let's, no! let's no, let's let's uh Look, we're you gonna... peel back layers, you find things you don't want to find. Like well, it onion. sounds like you can't peel back the layers because you got it clenched. <laughs> like a bad onion. Well, or an ogre. Is or that, an ogre. Is that gonna be our our euphemism for Mars Butthole now? The bad onion. The bad <laughs> onion. A new band name. You the cut bad that onion. motherfucker, you Playing cry. with Sex Dungeon Norway next week. The bad onion. Oh God, the bad oh onion. God. <laughs> I feel like that's like a Seattle grunge band. I feel like that's a Seattle grunge club that yes. is named after a band who probably all died from bad heroin in like 1994. I mean, I guess it fits. Sometimes it is blooming. <laughs> <laughs> right. So uh, this podcast brought to you by Preparation H. Keep it cool, everybody. That shit is magic. I'm just telling you right now. He's telling us right now. It's like a Newport for your ass. <laughs> okay, you tell me, would you rather drive in traffic in Chicago at rush hour with or without Preparation H? I'm just saying. It won't help you merge. <laughs> or will it? <laughs> uh, do you, okay, on that note, do you think uh, Jillian Anderson has strong opinions about Preparation H? Because she's also in this movie. I feel see what, like see what I did might... there. See what I did there. I walked us back. Walked us back. Who did Jillian? Uh, uh, best known Scully. Yeah, I Scully, feel Scully, like Scully? I feel like after X Files, her uh, her career got fucked in the ass. So I figure she might actually be an advocate for Preparation H. 
Whoa. Wow, that's a spicy Jeez. hot take. Yeah, you're you're like coming at us guns hot. <laughs> Young, Jesus. dumb, and full of cum. <laughs> which was a t-shirt that was worn. I'm sorry, guys, that was a little profane. It was all th- also thrown out the window. The shirt. <laughs> not the cum. No. Not the, not the Just stop throwing cum out the window. Uh, okay, so... A, that's another band name I call it. Cum out the window? Yep. That's gross. <laughs> Where else is he I'm, I'm, to I'm, do st- it? I'm still writing it down, but yeah, okay. It's raining from men. Uh, <laughs> it's raining from men. That's their hit song. Fuck, God, Mark, Sorry, you, you've that's, got it. That's real bad. Nope, 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 nope. Write it down. Don't it's endorse it. It's raining from men. <laughs> Don't endorse it. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> from men. So... Uh, who else we got? Okay, so bit parts, real quick, before we move on. Bit parts. Catherine Parkinson, small role in this. She plays. Wasn't she famous she for plays... disease? <laughs> is that the same the part of the of parkinson's fame yeah um she uh yeah uh, michael j fox really does not like this la- this lady um they, <laughs> um wow god we've lost every listener yep. just piss, pissing off everybody today uh but she plays jen on the it crowd she plays their boss really funny um, phenomenal okay i feel super bad if I butcher this name, even though I really like this actress, Thandiwe Newton. Oh, she plays herself in this movie. That's hilarious. I didn't realize that. Anyway, she plays Simon Pegg's love interest in Run, Fat Boy, Run, which is also an amazing movie that we're going to review on the podcast. And then we got James Corden and Chris O'Dowd also having sort of cameo appearances in this also movie. Also from IT Crowd. Yes. Uh, another another brief thing. There was a scene about a red carpet uh trying to not give any spoilers, but this is totally not important to the movie. Um, They were showcasing stars, and two of the stars that I noticed were Kate Hudson and Daniel Craig. Hmm. Like, one, maybe two second cameos on the red carpet, and I was just like, oh my god. Want to hear something that's going to fuck with your heads? Yeah. Do you guys remember the movie A Kid in King Arthur's Court? Yes. Yeah, Daniel Craig in that movie. No. Yeah, I was re-watching it like a few years ago. He plays like the... Uh, do you remember Calvin needs to like train up to become a knight? Yes. Right? And so he's got his love interest. And then there's like an older sister that's going to get like married off. And she's in love with the guy who trains the knights. He's the guy who trains the knights that she's oh in love God. with. Oh, okay. I need to rewatch that movie. It's bananas. Uh... I just I had to I had to throw that out there. I, I appreciate. I that think our listeners will appreciate. I that. I know what I'm watching when I get home. Okay, so are are we ready to say whether or not we'll recommend this? Um, I think we're probably all on the not recommend side, right? No, I I uh, I, uh, I, uh, I recommend it. I <laughs> you recommend went full it. on Borky Pig there. I recommend it. They call me <laughs> Mr. Pig. So uh, what about you, Action Jackson, Flexions, Waxen? I, 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 you, you know, you know what? Now I, you're mocking me. I, <laughs> I am mocking you. I apologize. I do recommend this movie. Apology accepted. Yeah, it's a, that's a big old thumbs up from this side of the aisle as yeah, well. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, uh, I don't even have any disclaimers this time. I don't think so. I mean, if you're sensitive to dongers, but like, who doesn't like, who if doesn't you like don't a, like penis, who yeah. doesn't like a good donger? It's, then it's rated close R. Your eyes. Like, grow up. Yeah. Half the world's got one. And, and, if, and if you don't like dongers, there's plenty of other things that also get revealed in this movie that you will probably dig on. And so. if you do like penis, we'll tell you exactly when to see it. I think there's a boob in this, too. There's more than one. They usually... 
they travel, travel in, in pairs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's a it, it's funny because it's true. It is true. It's based upon reality. They do hunt in packs. It's based I, on a true story. I though one time saw a very real exception, and that one time was in the movie Total Recall. I was just okay. Oh, my God, yeah. they tra- they travel in in triplicate. Yeah. There was a spare. There was a spare. Yes, like the, in bowling, which is which is we call it a donut. Which actually, <laughs> it's helpful because if one goes flat, you just spare tire. It's gonna push it to the side and what? S- still playing with a full deck. <laughs> That's you know what? It's utility, and I I, I respect it. A Swiss Army boob. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, are we ready to boom 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 boom? Good job. Uh, okay, so that means that means spoilers. All right, so we're gonna dive into the deep personal overview. Let's hit it with some specs in this movie now. Uh, right. So the movie opens with a, a voiceover from Simon Pegg. He's basically saying he's always wanted to be amongst the rich and famous. You know, kind of do his thing, yada yada. This voiceover is over a short clip of him watching television as a kid. Uh, flash forward like 20 years, he's a maybe 30-something writer, has his own magazine that is like basically just like snarky bullshit. It's called the Postmodernist Review, if that helps contextualize what this magazine is actually like. Um, I, I kind of like the name. That what? Yeah, it's a good name. It, it is, except for the fact that like, you know, it is exactly like postmodernist dribble. It's basically just like shred everything and contribute nothing. Yeah. Like my work of art is how handedly and aggressively I can rip to pieces other people's production. But that doesn't make it not funny and witty and clever. Um, but that's his thing, and he he does he tries to sneak into parties and shit with celebrities. He sneaks in a pig. Yeah. Well, yeah. What's the well, story with the pig? There was oh. That, that was, there was a purpose for that. So he, he was trying to get in to the party, and he was trying to convince Jen from the uh, the IT crowd. Uh, let me... Let me uh, Catherine Parkinson, I forgot. She, Michael J. Fox's friend. She's like the door person at this party, at this oh, club. Oh, yeah. And he's trying to convince her that this is the pig from Babe 3. Hog in the hoedown? <laughs> you didn't say that, but I'm sure that's the yeah. that's the title. And then she, she's like... Hoedown or hotown? She, she says to him... Well, how, how do I? Does, he doesn't even have any ID. How 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 do I know that that's the pig? And he goes, "How many pigs are supposed to be here tonight?" He's good. He's good. So he's he's very much just self admitted. You know, kind of shallow. His entire aspirations are to be a part of the celebrity elite, and that's his entire purpose. But what's interesting is that beneath that one-dimensional pursuit, we find out that, you know, he actually has a master's in philosophy, and he's actually quite a a brilliant guy. Um, But his priorities are askew. Yeah, and that sort of, like, initial drive to be, like, in the proverbial clouds and amongst high society... The elite uh, of the elite. has, ...has sort of deteriorated into a kind of resentful, bitter perception of celebrities... And not totally unjustified, but it definitely sort of fuels his more witty and aggressive rants. He's pretty funny in a jaded kind of Gen X way. Yes, yes, definitely. Uh, Yeah, so he's got this magazine, and it is not doing so hot. There's a lot of infighting. Mm -hmm. It's a phone call. And he gets a phone call from the editor of Sharp's Magazine, played by Jeff Bridges. Clayton Harding. Clayton Hardon. 
uh, played by Jeff Bridges. And he basically... The dude. So he basically just says, I want you to come work for me in New York. So he basically packs up shop and he's like, fuck this little magazine that I've put together and I'm going to go to New York and work for one of the largest magazines in the world. I will say the world. There's, there's a poetic moment in this whole thing between the time that he gets the phone call and but you know by the time he lands in New York. His little postmodernist review magazine is parked in an apartment directly above the Kebab Palace. <laughs> and he gets on this plane, he flies all the way to New York, he gets this apartment, it's this shitty apartment with this crazy landlord lady and it happens to be above a kebab palace and he just has this moment where he's like what the fuck <laughs> it was you're, you're right it was actually a really great little nugget that they tucked in there and and you know if if you blink you'll miss it but yeah so he he is in professor sprout's apartment building um mm. no joke the the woman who plays professor sprout is actually his landlady uh what happens next Dude, he, he, okay, so he goes, his first day at work, he wears this tucked-in t-shirt that says, uh... Young, dumb, and full of cum. Now, now to be fair, to be fair, uh, cum is spelled C-O-M-E, so yeah, it is it was, not... It's classy. Yeah, it's, we're not talking like, you know, this thing too obscene, okay? This is, a, this is highbrow humor. Um, which he gets called out for numerous times. Just kind of fumbles around, that's like his first scene. So he ends up finding out that uh, that asshole guy that we were talking about earlier, Houston, something Houston, uh, not Whitney Houston, but another Houston. That's very Lawrence Maddox is yeah. his name. Uh, he is Simon Pegg's boss, and he's a total shithead. Also, Simon Pegg finds out that he is working with Kirsten Dunst, who he met at the bar the previous night and did not have the best introduction to. And made a real ass of himself. It's yes, as, as he is Both as he is wont to do, he is very good at that. Uh, and so he ended his... up taking home a penis. Yes, he did, and it was not necessarily like okay. The scene felt like a montage. It was not a montage, but his first night in America, he's chasing around a bunch of ladies, ends up finding luck with this uh... transsexual. Yeah, named Bobby. Was her name actually Bobby? It was Bobby. It was Bobby with okay. an I. That's why he. Okay. Call her, her Bob. You know what? I will. This is a bit of an aside, but in this bit within the movie, kind of showed the age of the movie. You know, you don't find movies nowadays that use that as a punchline. No. But they, they absolutely went there with this, and it was funny in like a '90s, like you know, you you saw penis kind of way. But like you know, it is it is of its time. Yeah. Didn't age well. I, I don't know if I would say it didn't age well. I mean, like, she was really pretty, and he thought, you know, he was getting, thought he was getting something, and he got something else, and that's kind of funny. Yeah, she was really pretty, and she really had a penis, and he did, he really did not expect that. Yeah, no. and that's funny. Like, I mean, com- w- w- I, okay, I'm going to totally butcher the comedy thing, but there's some line about, like, you know, I know there's, like, comedy is tragedy plus time, blah, 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 but there's, like, another one that's, like, you know, I don't know, some shit about comedy being, like, the unexpected, right? And, like, that's kind of it. It's like, you know, you throw a character into, like, a all this guy wants to do is, like, get with uh, attractive ladies, right? And he's got this very attractive lady, and, like, blah, 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 she's got a, she's got a wee-wee. <laughs> Spoilers! She's got a wee-wee. And um, that was unexpected, and that's that's funny. It, it was. Comedy it was. gold. Comedy gold. So, okay, 
And what what is what kind of ties this together is Kirsten Dunn's character is the one that set him up with Bobby, knowing full well that Bobby's got a penis. Yep. But also, like, let's let's be let's like credit where credits due. Like, he didn't do what some asshole guys do and would like freak out and be like, "This is an assault on my manhood." Blah, 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 blah. He was just like, "All right, Bobby. Well, I'm not gonna have sex with you because that's not that's not my bag." But like, you sleep over there. Yeah, sleep. Yeah, just sleep sleep here tonight. Sleep it off. We had a good time. We danced. Made you know? her a cot. Gave her a blanket. Was a total gentleman about the whole process. Which, again, which is, you know, age is, you know, I think age is fine. Yeah, maybe. I would have done it. Bobby Wait. or the hospitality? The hospitality part. I yeah. don't know if I would have done Bobby. I don't think I was drunk enough for that. I feel like when you first said that, Bobby was your answer. It's possible, and I'll leave that up to your discretion. Leave it up to the listeners. Yep. Cedric? Uh, send us a burp envelope. Let us know what you think about whether or not Jackson was talking about Bobby or about hospitality or about perhaps a third option that we are unaware of. Actually, and God, we will read it on. God, God damn it, Cedric. Just send us a just send us a fucking email, okay? I heard that you listened to many of these and you haven't sent us any emails. Some, somebody, like everybody else is going to be wondering who the fuck Cedric is. Everybody sends us emails except for you, Cedric. Okay, but nobody send us also, email, so please send us one goddamn. Cedric, I'm dying. Do you have a Morton's toe or not? I gotta know. He's got, I, he's gotta I, know. I gotta know. Gotta send know. us pics, baby. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Moving uh, on. Wow, we are just like all over the place on this, this podcast. Is a tough one. Uh, all right, let's let's try and let's try and go to clip. All right, see what we got. He spends the first good portion of his time there, several months, I would say, being low man on the total pole, getting kicked around, not having any career success because he's basically being himself. And that doesn't sell well in this type of world. Everybody is looking for glitz, glamour, and basically fake people who are willing to demean themselves, who are willing to play ball, who are not willing to step out of line. And he is literally anything but that. And it makes him sort of a pariah. The main thing is he is trying to bring life back into this magazine in a way that he envisions it should. Uh, The creator of the magazine, Clayton Harding, was also the creator of a magazine called Snipe. And that was all about, like, paparazzi and I'm gonna, you know, gotcha journalism. And so he's trying to bring that back without realizing that's not what this magazine is about. That is not the focus. That is not the point of it. So he's trying to bring something back that nobody wants. But he doesn't realize that nobody wants it. Yeah, there's an interesting scene where he's offered a job, but it's a puff piece, you know, where he is asked to give the agent kind of full copy over, you know, the the final product. And he turns it down, even though this kind of gets him exactly what he wants, or at least what he stated that he wanted in the beginning. Even though he's an asshole through and through, he has principles and he stands by them. And I, I, I love... There's a great line that kind of sums that up that Jeff Bridges delivers. He like calls. There's so many scenes where he's in Jeff Bridges' office and Jeff Bridges is like kind of yelling at him. He is not his boss. He's like his boss's boss's boss. And Simon Pegg gives this monologue about how like you know I'm who you used to be and I'm trying to do something good and funny and different and blah blah blah. And I you know I'm Jeff Bridges comes back with like. No, you hate these people for the same reason that I used to hate these people. It's because they were the people who got invited to the party while you sat at home alone. Well, Sydney, you're at the party now. And he's, like, trying to convince him to, like, play ball a little bit. And, like, there's a part of you that 
kind of wants him to and then like there's a part of you that's like no fucking be yourself like don't be don't be wreck the party wreck the party man fucking you know flip the table invite a pig um yeah no it's it's uh it's a potent scene that i think sums up sort of the first part of the movie uh also revealed in the first part of the movie is that kirsten dunce is dating maddox um, she's dating Simon Pegg's direct boss, and this relationship is extramarital. So he is married with a couple kids, and his wife's father owns the company. And so Kirsten Dunst is sort of like the side chick, as we would say nowadays. The other woman. The other woman. And Simon Pegg is sort of slowly falling for Kirsten Dunst. You know, here we are with this sort of romantic comedy bend, right? And as he begins to fall for her, he discovers that she is actually dating him. Uh, is that a good enough summary of the first half of the movie, do we think? Absolutely. Second half of the movie, how do we want to kick it off? Well, he he starts to acknowledge his feelings for Kirsten Dunn's character while still pursuing Megan Fox. Well, we should probably jump in. Megan Fox is a sort of young starlet who... Sophie Mays. Sophie Mays, who is basically... All right, let's give him something. What? what who is she? She's the Emma Watson of his time. Honestly, no, 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 no. Because Emma Watson is like smart and capable and like, you know, I think she she tries to take like dignified roles. and That's true. She's, she plays basically like. Almost like a Paris Hilton, maybe. Who's but, like, but Paris Hilton has like no talent at all. Like her, her own, like her claim to fame is being famous. Right. Like and, she's, she is a person who is cast exclusively on their looks, who is about as deep as a puddle. But she's she's a good, pretty face to put on a screen. Are you you're talking about Paris Hilton or are you talking about Megan Fox in this movie? I'm talking well, about Megan Fox's character. No, I don't I would never dame to say that Paris Hilton is pretty or approachable. Yeah, but like so Megan Fox's big like, you know, uh, or her character within this movie, her big uh, ticket to fame is this like weird Mother mm. Teresa. Yeah, she plays Mother Teresa. The making of a saint. Yeah, but it's like a like a weird like there's like a weird sexual element to it. Like it's just it's weird. I don't like it. Yeah, it's it's uncomfy all the way. It was my first thought. Jackson also pointed out during the movie. It is very like reminiscent of Satan's Alley, which was a fake movie that Robert Downey Jr.'s character shot with Tobey Maguire inside Tropic Thunder, um, which let me like just brings me to another point. I fucking love fake movies inside movies or yes. television shows. Movieception, like it is my favorite fucking thing. Like that, that like Jack Black, Cloris Leachman movie in the Office, where it's like Sophie's grandmother or something like that, and mm-hmm. he's like, <laughs> I just, I fucking love fake movies inside movies. They, they're all they're always better too in their trailer form than they are if like Hollywood's like, no, let's just turn listen to a movie like machete like the trailer for oh, the yeah. movie machete within the movie grindhouse was far superior than the actual movie machete that came out several years later which yes. was also pretty good it was okay but like, but the but the trailer was fucking it, ridiculous yeah oh my it God. was it was great so okay continuing um, uh, so she's so she okay so who who is she give me somebody i mean i i I feel like like they're talking about her character and like she she doesn't have any accolades at this point. She's just a face. I don't know that I was throwing out Paris Hilton because like what are you famous for? Like they kind of acknowledge she's not really famous for anything. Like she's just a starlet that has has all this fame projected upon her. Um, I can't think of anybody else who is famous for no reason. Maybe like a Kardashian, but even maybe, then, well, it's, it's, but I, I think 
I think that's just it. Is I don't think she's famous for no reason. I think she actually does stuff. I think the only like the only reason her career advanced though is because she's pretty in front of the camera. Like maybe and and again, let me just preface this by saying I don't fucking know any of these people. So you know maybe I'm totally wrong here. But like Britney Spears, right? I I have I don't know if Britney Spears is like you know deeper than her sort of like professional facade would suggest. So like but an early she, career Britney Spears. Yeah, exactly. Early career. She's but the thing is, she can sing, she can dance, she does know how to, like, sort of, you know, operate in that sphere, but by all accounts, the number one thing that Britney Spears was selling she was, was that she, she was, hot. was a pretty girl who also knew how to do the things that they wanted her to do, sing and dance, right? Yeah. And it's like, there are plenty of pretty girls who don't know how to do that, and there are plenty of ugly girls who can do that, and it's like, they had to find one that was pretty and could do it, and she accelerated... Mostly because she was smoking hot. Yes? Agreed. So, sort of in that realm, but not singing and dancing, it was movies. About nuns. About nuns. Anyway, so, that's that was a far afield, but trying to give somebody, trying to give people the flavor of, like, sort of who Megan Fox's character is in this movie. Right. And I think, just, just to, like, just acknowledge it. I think that uh, viewers can probably, or listeners, can uh, can pick up on the fact that this is a difficult movie to go play-by-play play on. But clearly Simon Pegg's character does not like Maddox at all. Maddox being his boss, the person who he has found out that is... Um, boning. B- boning, perhaps. Um, less eloquent. Uh, Having Kirsten relations Duff. with... Yeah, Congress. Sexual. <laughs> Congress. Sexual. Step uh, <laughs> one so, thing gets done. So, so my business card. Call him a cloud. Congress. Sexual. James Bond. <laughs> uh, so he sets up the strippergram for this Maddox character. Maddox has got promotion. He's moving up in the world. Anyhow, this stripper comes in. This is not the setting that one might typically find a stripper in. This is just an office setting in, in like a business meeting. And this woman comes in, starts stripping in front of him. Turns out the stripper has a penis. <clears throat> dot com and it's i think it's bob yeah well, is it, it is bob? it's bob in a wig it is is it yeah okay so we kept in that's contact how with bob. he knew that she had a weeby well I, I figured maybe he just networked and he just was a part of that scene now i mean once a penis always a penis am i right is that like a pringles I, thing i feel like i feel like the transgender community would dispute that like okay ag- aggressively okay okay <laughs> I retract my once, penis. Once a penis. You can't retract a penis. Sometimes a penis. I feel like you can, though. God, there has been more, like, penis to minute within this There's particular... not that much penis in this movie, but there we really... really... Isn't. Dan, I need you to settle this argument oh for me. Oh, my God, Can Dan. or can you not retract a penis? Why are you Let bringing Dan into this? Uh, what? Uh, C- Cedric, I need, I, need you, I need you to settle a different thing for me. Uh, can you... Can you do the can-can? Can you do the can-can? Can? Can-can-can-can-can-can. Anyway, Stripper's <laughs> got a penis, and this uh, this this young mother and her two children walk into the boardroom at the same time that the, that, that the penis is occupying the room. The face. Uh, <laughs> occupying the room. Yeah, and one thing leads to another. I personally believe that this is connected to Maddox's downfall, where Maddox is removed from the company. It is true. But not everybody may have that same interpretation. Anyhow. That's me. I'm the person who doesn't have that interpretation. Well, okay. So Mark is right and Colin is also right. Because as a result of this penis in Maddox's face, 
Um, the woman in question with the two beautiful young children is Harding's, or sorry, Hayward's wife. Hayward is the owner of the magazine, not the manager of the magazine. Hayward's wife makes the creative decisions for I, said magazine. I don't know. I feel like it's Jeff Bridges' wife. No. Because, like, th those those kids were, like, six and seven, and Maddox is married to the daughter of the owner of the company. So he would simultaneously have, like, a 45-year-old daughter and, like, a five-year-old daughter. So... Not Maddox, impossible, but seemingly unlikely. Maddox is actually married to Harding's daughter, not Haywood's daughter. He's not married to Jeff Bridges' daughter. <laughs> I'm completely lost. I don't He's know any of this. Case. He's married to the owner's daughter. The woman and the kids were Jeff Bridges' wife and daughter. Daughters. Anyway. You may be right. Because he was the one who was throwing the party later. Maddox is shortly removed from the company, one way or another, within a couple of scenes of the, the, the said... And there was penis. Penis scene. Um, You've said penis so much. No, dude. There's a lot of. Although, is there's it not enough? though. There's not a lot of penis in this. But movie. we do get the full Monty, which that is true is a rare occurrence. It is. Anyhow, I feel like I mean I feel like they should hang Dong in more movies. I agree. I mean, like I like whatever. I guess I don't care. I'm not like searching for it, but like at the same time, like whatever. I guess it's only fair. I mean, we see boobs all the time, and in this scene, which is, we which is also like, I, saw boobs. Which, but, again, like, I'm in favor of. Maybe this is beyond the scope of said podcast, but is a boob on the same, like a single boob, on the same level. Single boob? As... What are, what are the odds that it's would just that tra be a, traveling alone? Would that be a nip slip? Maybe. I don't that's, know. I feel like it's not even a boob. That's a nip. I'm not a doctor. Or like side boob. Like that's not a boob. Side boob is not a boob. Side boob is kind of a boob. It's like half a boob. Or perhaps, I don't know, the side of a boob? But, that would be a half. But again. Because there's two sides to a boob. It's like a coin. Yeah, but also boobs travel in pairs. So you're talking about like a quarter of a boob at best. A yeah, quarter but, of boobs at best. But this is not 60 minutes. We're not doing a profile of a boob. Like it's just a boob. I would do 60 minutes a of a profile, profile of a boob, boob is a side a boob. A side boob. That's what side boob is. <laughs> profile of a boob. God, I just don't know. Though. Coming out next Wednesday. <laughs> Pro boob profile. Fo profile of a boob. Anyway, we digress. <laughs> it's a sequel to Interview with a Vampire. Profile of a boob. <laughs> we really, really have to hammer that one home got me. the singularity of said boob because we're not talking about breasts. It's just a single boob. Yeah, but see, the thing is, we did see like full on breasts. Breasts? Yeah. In, in pair with the penis. We've in, already in established they travel in packs. Pairs. Pairs? Well, it could be packs. But admit, okay, but let's admit that, like, these are, like, by global standards, unusual traveling companions. Boobs don't typically travel. Bo boobs travel in two, but they don't often have the traveling companion of a donger. That's true. They they are. Unless you live in Seattle. A fairly odd couple, perhaps. That but, was a great movie, by the way. TV show. Anyway, TV show. Dude. Look, anyway, fairly look at this. You flash a penis in a movie and it completely destroys the podcast. Yeah, that's I know. True. God, just maybe that's why there aren't so many penises in movies. Robert Wide Deed, whatever. Does your he name. have a wide penis? 
I was going to just berate the man for having penis in his movie and, and ruining our podcast. God, but there's so many goddamn penises in this movie. <laughs> Why, you need to let but us know not. if you have a wide penis or it's not. It's just a one scene, and it's just got these little chuckle heads. You know, just all up in it. Two, two scenes, but yeah. Two, uh, well, we only see one penis. Oh, that's true. We don't, this, there, You're right. There's one. But it is the, implication the same person that carries the penis in two scenes. Right. So let's say one and a half. Split the difference and say yep, one and one a half, and a half scenes. scenes. Does one carry a penis, or does the penis carry? the one i think it's the one carries the penis i feel like that's a, is a that a cut, math joke that's a cut line from the star wars prequels <laughs> <laughs> oh my god dude okay <laughs> maddox has been removed from sharps and also kirsten dunk's character is removed from the magazine as well and within that vacuum uh simon Pegg's character finds great success you know he eventually just kind of he drinks the kool-aid he starts doing the puff pieces he is now a part of the system with which he has both been enthralled by and has rejected. It's an interesting conflict within it's part him. of the machine, man. Yeah. I'm the machine! Um, what the fuck is that? <laughs> I think that, that his journey ends with him sitting on the side of a pool with Megan Fox's character, and she basically just kind of leans in and says she gets super horny if, uh, if she has coke. And earlier, he had We're been... We're talking cocaine, not the beverage. Right. He had been talking to this uh, dentist wizard um, earlier. <laughs> I feel like we're eddying a little bit. We so are. The, so that scene... The, the coke scene that comes before what we're talking about that's the catalyst that actually like leads to maddox being fired and her leaving it like the next day they're gone yeah at that party but i do feel like that's also like the the height of his pursuit and that's where he pivots to that is where he pivots. you're right it's immediately after that party she leaves maddox leaves they're back together and he starts to uh climb the the ranks uh, at this magazine, he basically like abandons his moral compass and all of his principles, and starts pandering to every single celebrity that crosses his path, which takes him a really long way. And you know, from like a very shallow and and materialistic standpoint, he ends up like getting a lot of free shit, like really fucking expensive clothing and and a nice apartment and all this shit that's strictly tangible he gets a very expensive suit and a very nice wristwatch which we see in the very first scene of the movie Do you and know, that's an interesting <clears throat> that's an interesting point that this movie does actually open up on him monologuing from it's, it's not the oscars but it's it's effectively the, the oscars. apollo awards yeah and he kind of sets the stage in the beginning of the movie as a narrator for his journey, and we finally catch up with that point in time where he has effectively made it. And I think there's really only two more points. So the night before that award ceremony, he is at a party in Megan Fox's hotel room, and she convinces him to give her the ring that he is wearing which is his mother's that she gave to him when he was nine years old before she died and he gives it to her because she basically says if you give it to me and i win tomorrow i will have sex with you which is an amazingly convincing argument and i'm not saying i know what i would do in that situation but what he does in that situation is gives her the ring uh spends the entire night racked with guilt and anxiety about what he did ends up watching uh like flipping through the channels in his hotel room and finds 
a movie that his mother was in because she was an actress and he has this catalyzing moment where he's like, fuck, I need to get the ring back. So uh, after viewing this movie and being drunkenly guilty, he goes back to the Apollo Awards. You know, we end up in this scene where he's sitting next to Megan and she wins. She's going up there and then suddenly... Suddenly he tries to get the uh, the ring back. Uh, <laughs> no, he has this moment where like he is like done being tense about this. And he just kind of gets up and she's walking up to the stage to accept this award and he confronts her about it. He's like, I, I need that ring. Like suddenly everything else that's going on is irrelevant. All he wants is the ring back because he's just so racked with guilt. Uh, so this obviously turns into a sort of conflict, a kerfuffle. And she basically attacks him, throws him to the ground. They wrestle around a bit. He gets the ring back. He runs out of there. There's this, like, quasi-touching moment where he, like, runs back and sees all the, like, sort of reporters waiting outside with bated breath. And they sort of, like, let him back to the other side of the velvet rope. And he runs into the crowd, ends up catching a flight back to New York. New York. And reconciles with Kirsten Dunst's roll credits. Kinda. Yeah. I mean that's pretty much that's pretty much it, and that's the without the, so, going into super uber detail. That is the gist. I mean, without going into detail, <laughs> we've been we've been well. I suppose we've been uh, we've taken we've, we've been taking the scenic route. Yeah, Absolutely. that's fine. Okay, so scene involves a penis. Let's hit with some thoughts. Uh, the casting was fucking ridiculous, phenomenal, and also insane. Insane. I mean, like yeah, the, I, I I I'm so shocked i think this movie has the biggest disparity between like a-list cast and people who've heard of this fucking movie it's unbelievable and it's not like a you know you can tell by the vibe it's not like an independent movie or anything like that it just somehow kind of slipped through the cracks a little bit it flew under the radar couldn't can't believe the number of people who haven't heard of this movie but the cast list is fucking ridiculous you've got like jeff bridges simon pegg kirsten dunst like jillian anderson like heavy hitters, you know. Oh yeah. And 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 it doesn't stop there. And then like a lot of people playing themselves. Awesome casting. Also, another thing that I was very surprised at in this movie um, that I noticed this time is the physical comedy is amazing. Oh yes. Like whoever wrote the physical comedy in this movie could happily have written for like the Three Stooges. In in particular, my favorite physical comedy moment was when. Simon Pegg's character was listening in on a conversation he wasn't invited to and then panics and runs out the emergency exit to the studio, which immediately sounds the alarm and every single person in this office is staring at him. So he just hangs a left and grabs a book off the shelf and just starts casually reading it like nothing ever happened. Mm, Elephants. Elephants. Mm, Elephants. (laughs) Mm. Uh, what, What else do we like in this movie? Um, I'm going to lean hard on this being a rom-com in that, like the things that I enjoy about, a, and, and, and I'll be, I'll be honest here. Rom-com's not usually my thing, but the thing that I enjoy most about a rom-com, and I, I think we talked about a, a little bit with uh, Fools Rush In, is that, you know, the trajectory of the movie, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, I think pretty quickly we realized what the trajectory of this movie was and it was just how are the leaves going to fall and how you know can we enjoy that comforting in a way yeah Yeah. and i i enjoyed that 
you know, like I knew he was going to end up with Kirsten Dunst. It's just, that's just the way it was. And I think the audience knew it. And I think the director knew that the audience knew it because his reconciliation with her character was really quick. You know, he saw her in a park watching a movie. Mm-hmm. They lock lips, roll credits. You didn't need a lot. No, you know, because and, you knew that's where it was going. And I think, so the way I think this broke with the standard rom-com formula is that the standard rom-com formula is, and forgive the, the genders I'm going to assign, obviously this could take any form, but boy meets girl, boy and girl fall in love, conflict arises due to poor communication, boy and girl split, boy and or girl chases after the other, reconciliation, roll credits. Absolutely. That's that's the formula. Uh, the difference in this movie is that Simon Pegg and Kirsten Dunst never actually get together. Like, they're never actually dating. They literally get together in the end. And I think there are some rom-coms that sort of dabble in that. But to be perfectly honest, I think that's actually more reminiscent almost of like a teen movie. Where it's like, you know, I never thought about him that way. Blah, 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 blah. But it's not like that either. Like, she knows that she loves him halfway through the movie he knows that he's falling for her halfway through the movie. She still makes the bad decision to get back together with Maddox. Because despite... it's, com- it's comforting and safe. Yeah, because it's what she knows, even though she knows she has feelings for Simon Pegg's character. And she's been given zero indication, really, by Simon Pegg that he's interested in her. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't want to call it rom-com adjacent, because I would definitely put it in rom-com. But there are aspects of it that stray a little bit far afield from the formula. Yeah. But, I think but not just, in a bad way. Yeah, I think that that just kind of goes to set it apart from other rom-coms in that it's worth its salt. Um, other things that I liked, I just, I enjoy Simon Pegg as an, as an actor. I enjoy his cadence, his delivery. Big fan. I can't think of anything that he's been in that I haven't enjoyed his... Um, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Contribution. There is not a single movie in which Simon Pegg is involved that I didn't enjoy. I will say I haven't seen all of his filmography, but every movie that I have seen that Simon Pegg is in is phenomenal. Yes, he he's funny. He's, he's witty. His delivery's great. He's he also not... he also seems like a, just a super nice guy. And uh... and that's the thing is like he's a little bit disarming because he's not what Hollywood would dictate is traditionally good looking, which I think like is maybe a little bit his piece in this movie, right? Like. This movie's a little bit reminiscent of that in that, like, Simon Pegg forced his way into our hearts because of his, like, immense talent, you know? And I, I, I'm concerned that, like, if Simon Pegg had just a little bit less talent, he would still have ten times the talent of a lot of people in Hollywood, but he wouldn't have been discovered or advanced just because he wasn't quite there. And that's some bullshit because half that dude's talent is enough to fill an oil tanker. Absolutely. Yeah. Was there anything that we didn't like? I think I there's nothing that I didn't like about it. That's not saying it's like this is my favorite movie, but I don't have any criticisms. I think that it it stuck to form. I was happy with it. Yeah, I know. I actually think that's a good way to describe it. It's like I really didn't have any complaints. It wasn't the greatest movie in the whole world, but like it was comforting. It, it was. It was a very comforting movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could see where it was going. There were no precipitous drops, which like not to knock precipitous drops you need that in like drama and shit like that but like definitely could watch this movie in the background and just feel okay you know yeah Yeah. Yeah, i i i'm with them i there's nothing about this movie that i found contestuous didn't find any part of it that i can think of that made me 
uncomfortable. Definitely not on the same level as Brawl in Cell Block 99. Um, <laughs> I will never let that go. Never. Um, I forced you to watch that. I, I, I held you down and I pushed that movie into your eyeballs. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Um, <laughs> I watched. <laughs> Mark is a watcher. He's a watcher on the wall. Winter is coming. Um, I think the only thing that I could throw out as a criticism, and I don't even know if don't it's, do it. if don't it's do even it. fair. It's not the penis. Don't do it. No, it's it's not the penis. It's Was the penis not erect enough? Do you, well, yeah. I was looking at the angles, you know. The angles? Uh, wasn't quite the 45 I you know, was looking for. Uh, it, was, it was of its time. It's integrating under the parabola. <laughs> <laughs> the use of a transvestite as a punchline to a joke didn't land very well for me personally. I just kind of felt like, eh. But again, it was made in the aughts, and I can't knock it for that because it was the collective comedy at the time. So, like, it's not so much a criticism. It's just an acknowledgement that, you it's know. It's a 17-year-old joke. I, I don't know. I'm I'm gonna go ahead and like I'm gonna plant my flag like in opposition to this again. And, again. and I, I is appreciate that like I, I I just I don't feel like the transgender person was the butt of the joke. The joke involved the fact that the person was transgender. That's fair. like he was a person who didn't like penis sexually. Yeah, and that is okay. And he found a person who was conventionally very attractive. As a woman. Admittedly. And found out that that woman had a penis. And was visibly shocked by it. And was shocked by it, which is A, hilarious, and B, not offensive to transgender people. And, and C, he handled it with, with the grace utmost, and grace, utmost grace. That, that, that's, that's a fair rebuttal. And I, I can't argue against that. Expounding upon that, I think feel like the only part of this that could be offensive is the verbiage because they refer to a transgender person as a transsexual which is an outdated term a transvestite i'm pretty sure they said transsexual i don't know either way like it's not something that you're accustomed to seeing nowadays but I, i i take your rebuttal and i can't argue the merits of what you're putting forward so you know I, think- I don't, I don't I feel. I feel like if somebody came at me with that like complaint about this movie, I'd be like, "Get the twist out of your knickers." You know, like, "Come on, man!" It, like, yeah. it, you know, y- there's no reason to get so fucking bent out of shape about everything. Like, you know, I mean, put yourself in Simon Pegg's shoes. Were you a single man that had admittedly been drinking, took a beautiful woman back to your apartment, only to find out that she had a penis? Would you not be visibly shocked? Yes. Me personally, or like just the general general audience. The royal you. The royal. Oh, the royal you. I'd be shocked as hell. Yeah. Yeah. And he did handle it. No, no, he did not handle it. He did not handle it. He didn't handle it physically. No. He did not not handle it. He handled the situation. Oh, the situation. Oh, he handled the situation. Sure. Yeah. No. 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 No doubt. No doubt. There was there was no hand of the. Actually, he did handle it later. He did. That is true. He did put his hand on it. But that was to try to protect the children. The innocence of the young mind. Yeah. And just like a general like, eh, kids don't want to see genitals. Ha <laughs> ha! You know? Like, that's a that's something we can all agree on. That's yep. something we can agree on. You know? I think, we, I think we should all plant our flag on that hill. Yes. Yes. Grab a penis to save the children. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> that's, 
that's a it wristband. Is, is kind is of, a, is is kind of what happens. It's like a list. strong <laughs> wristband. I was, I was, I was going to provide some, like, oppositional comedy to that, but, like, no, that's... That's exactly that's, that's what, what happens. That's what happens. If Okay, listeners, shoot us an email with the total penis count of this episode, and we will send you a t-shirt. Maybe. We also probably... <laughs> Maybe. He immediately, he immediately retracts the, the promise to the listeners. Well, because, you know, we get so many emails. We haven't gotten any. Um, <laughs> and I, I want to encourage it. I want to burp envelopes though. I want to, I, I, I want people to send us emails, but at the same time, I don't want to oversell it. I don't want them to think they're going to get anything out of it because they won't. I will design the t-shirt. We just won't print any. You pay for it. I'll make it happen. You break it. You bought it. That doesn't apply here. Uh, okay. Especially so let's move to on penis. to quotes. Okay. Uh, I've got a quote. Uh, so the context for my quote is he is being introduced to the other um, employees at the at Sharps magazine, and I think it was Maddox's character who says this. He's he's talking to um, a celebrity's agent, you know, um, bigwig, and he introduces uh, Simon Pegg's character. Says, uh, you know, this is our very own idiot savant. Without the savant. You know, he just very overtly degrades Simon every chance he gets. And that really kind of sets the stage for his station at uh, Sharps Magazine at the station at the station. Yeah, no, that is that is actually a really good encapsulation of Maddox's character, I feel like. Uh, okay, so I got three here. I'm going to try and rip through them real quick. So at one point, his father, who it turns out is kind of a bigwig in the philosophy world and actually like appears to have become a British lord as a result, visits him and he's talking to his dad about his job and his dad clearly thinks his job is, he, he says, you think my job is unimportant and his dad's like, you know, no, I don't. I just think you, there's more you could be doing with your life. And Simon Pegg says something to the effect of, um, you, you know who I hung out with yesterday? Orlando Bloom. And his dad goes, I don't know who that is. And he goes, of course you don't know who that is. You thought Brad Pitt was a cave in Yorkshire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, the next quote I have is when he first meets Kirsten Dunst. Uh, or sorry, not when he first meets, but uh, early in their uh, relationship. Their relationship begins very contentious and then sort of slowly bleeds into like frenemies and then like friends and then then love as it happens. It never happens like that, but no. let, let's pretend it does. Uh, okay, so he says something... Like, I don't know the meaning of the word fear. And she goes, I'm sure there are many words you do not know the meaning of. And he goes, what does that mean? <laughs> like, so, like, like so indignant and has no idea that it, it's coming on the heels of, of her claim that he doesn't know anything. Yeah. Uh, One thing that I do like about that quote is it encapsulates the, the cadence of the humor in this particular movie. You know, it's very like the delivery of the humor in this movie is... Kind of quick and witty. Yeah, really quick and witty. It's not like in your face, like, you know, Chuckles and Farts. You know, this is... I do love Chuckles and Farts. <laughs> Chuckles and Farts is another band name. I'm calling it. Ooh. Yeah. It, what it is is, you know, people make a statement and then there's a quick retort to it. Like, that's the formula for the comedy within this movie. Absolutely. So my last quote is... When he first arrives at the first party that he's, like, crashing and he arrives with that pig, he's just about to get in and this, like, random woman comes out of nowhere and she goes, well, 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 Sydney Young. And he goes, well, 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 clipboard Nazi type woman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Such an amazing retort. She has, he has no idea who the fuck she is. 
so good. Jackson, what do you got for quotes? All right, so I have a couple of them. Um, the first one comes from early, early in the movie when he is at the Postmodern Review magazine, and he walks into the room. Everyone's fighting. I should mention James Corden, surprise cameo in this movie, is fighting with some woman at the magazine, and Simon Pegg intervenes to try and resolve the fight, and... He says, no, he can't leave. And she goes, why can't George leave? And he goes, because he owns the fax machine. <laughs> I just, I, I love the, the the logic, the delivery, everything about it. You think it's a joke, but like a couple minutes later when the fight resolves, it turns out the magazine throws George out of the building while chanting, fight, 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 fight. And he drops to the bottom of the stairs and goes, you owe me a fax machine. <laughs> I love it. Another one is uh, when he runs into Kirsten Dunst for the very first time at the bar, he sits down on the stool next to her and she turns to him and says, my boyfriend's sitting there. And he goes, oh, is he? He's fucking small then, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I love that you're going like full Cockney with his accent. <laughs> I got two more. Um, so he runs into this seemingly important director who's, I guess, an up and comer in the Hollywood world named Vincent LePac, who always wears these Bono style sunglasses everywhere he goes. And needs no drugs because he's so high on himself. Exactly. And, you know, someone says, well, he's a very important person. And he goes, oh, I could tell he was important by the way he was allowed to stay at Poss's bedtime. I just, I love it because Vincent, I would say early 20s, like maybe 22, 23, probably not allowed at parties that he's at. Um, he's definitely also like the kind of person that like regardless of his age you can tell has a mental age of about 12 because no self-respecting adult would ever act in such a sort of like self-fulfilling way oh like, he's so self-righteous so, self-serving i guess is the, the term i'm looking for he's so Textbook fucking self-book narcissist he is he's 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 fucking disgusting he literally says at one point in the movie yeah i mean you gotta inspire yourself i am my own hero yeah, and you're like, says, oh God, I'm like good God. He says you've got to be an inspiration to yourself. Like everybody says, I want to be somebody else, and he says, I want to be me. Ugh, yuck! Like yuck! Vomit! Gad me with a Barf. spoon! Uh, Threaten me with a good time. <laughs> uh, all right, let's write this bitch. Let's. Are, Ooh, wait, wait, are we Laura Dern? I do have one more quote. Oh, we're not Laura Dern. Okay. And this is a very short one. This is in reference. Hey, what have you heard? God, we're really, like, we're going hard on the penis today. So, and I, to I chose end, those words very carefully. To that end. <laughs> you never go hard on the penis. <laughs> that's what you think. And so he's in an office, uh, presumably an HR office, after the stripper incident. And uh, he's furiously washing his hand. And he looks up at the HR person and he goes, What? I've got coke on my hand. <laughs> And you know, haven't we all? I mean, yeah, presumably. I've never. You've never had cock in your hand, not even your own. That thing's got to smell. Yeah, I just ignore it. Fair. <laughs> oh boy, just oh let boy. it fly from oh, way up oh high. Boy. <laughs> it's got to, it's got to, You don't get them. Or weaver spiders in there. What? Like spider death box. <laughs> Cobwebs. Uh, okay, Is so uh, we yeah we lowered her. So many. I believe that would be cockwebs. Not cobwebs. You know what? I'll take that. Fair enough. 
All right, I'm officially Laura Dern. All right. Uh, what's your What's your rating? Uh, you know what? We never We never start with Colin. Actually, you know what's so funny is I usually like take for fucking ever to like choose my score and my unit uh, of my unit of measurement, but I actually have this r- rip roaring and ready to go. I'm gonna give this six point two Bobby Dongers. Nice. And I, I said that I tried to say that as clearly as fucking possible. Bobby, not baby, Dongers. I like it. Love it, Mark. So I, uh, okay, I gave this a 7.1. Whoa. Yeah. 7.1 White Russians. Oh, all right. Solid. Solid. Another sort of subtle Lebowski reference that we didn't I, really cover. I love White that. Russians was uh, Maddox's drink of choice. To be fair, his landlady was also a White Russian named Miss Lebowski. But it turns out that her name was actually Kowalski. But Kowalski. he called her Lebowski. Kowalski. Lebowski. Same thing. Mike Wazowski. Mm. So... Jackson, what did you rate it? I would give this one a... <laughs> I, I, okay, I have explicit instructions from Mark that I should not cut that out of the podcast. So that, <laughs> that will remain in at his best. I like it. I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. Uh, I would give this a 7.4 crushed puppies. You want to explain that one there? (laughs) That is a reference to our dear friend Cuba, who is a rescue puppy belonging to none other than Sophie May, played by Megan Fox. Uh, Simon Pegg's character, Sidney Young, was trying to befriend this dog to push Maddox out of the relationship. And he plays ball with the puppy and the puppy loves it. And he throws the ball out the window and he inevitably saves puppy from jumping out the window only to find out that a piece of art falls off of the bookcase and crushes the poor dog to death. In which case, he then throws the body of the puppy into Allison, played by Kirsten Dunst's handbag, and tosses it onto the platform of a window washer. As one does. Yeah, we've all been there. There's a cute little scene where a dead dog kind of goes up the window and we're all just like, "Ah, that's a dead dog. You know, because that's that's the punchline to most jokes. Yep. Uh, Right. So uh, are we Lordern? I believe we're Lordern. Lordern. Uh, okay, so that is all for the Old Crap Review. Thank you for listening. If you have any ideas for movie reviews, email us at 3. That is the number 3, meninabasement at gmail.com. Talking to you, Cedric. You we're looking at you, Cedric. Uh, please do not miss our tour coming up. We've got Chuckles and Farts uh, that are opening for... Sex Dungeon Norway. Oh, Sex Dungeon Norway, for sure. Um, but Sex Dungeon Norway actually can only do about half the tour, and they're going to be replaced by Come Out the Window. Yes. And the headliner, though, on this tour, particularly excited, is... Uh, leather Daddies? No, 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 no. Are they? No, no the Leather... No, that's no, that's they, next week. Tour. That's yeah. separate, week. separate tour. Next week. Black Swamcom. Black Swamcom is headlining this tour. And then the, the band that you're going to want to see, the band that you're not going to want to miss, is The Bad Onion. Um, that is Mark at his best. You think his best is this podcast. It's not. He is going to show you The Bad Onion and you you will, will never be the same you will cry you'll wish you didn't see the bad onion no i mean onions make people cry right yeah the bad onion 
Oh, you, you'll be balling. Most certainly not a euphemism. You can also find us on iTunes and Google Play or wherever you find your podcasts. And until then, I am Colin McLeod. Mark Hall. Action Jackson. And uh, we'll see you in cyberspace. Pwah, pwah. Chaboo.